Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Does your team need a daily huddle? Hello everyone, Kevin Cruz here, helping you to achieve your full potential five days a week. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about how to make meetings great. But first, don't forget to visit LeadX.org, where you'll find hundreds of articles from the best business and career writers out there. You can also sign up for our quick read newsletter. It's packed with actionable tips you can try out right away. LeadX.org. Our guest today is known around the world as the business growth guru. It's a reputation he's earned by helping numerous companies to double their profit and double their revenue in less than three years. He helped engineer 1-800-GOT-JUNKS rapid growth from $2 million to a staggering $106 million in just six years. He's the author of Double Double, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, and his newest is Meetings Suck turning one of the most loathed elements of business into the one of the most valuable. Our guest is Cameron Harold. Cameron, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm delighted. And we're going to talk about meetings suck in just a minute. But I'd like to start with a universal question, which is, can you share a time uh, when you failed, maybe early in your career? And what was your takeaway? What did you learn from it? Sure. Um, I guess one of the big ones was back when we were building 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I was the chief operating officer of the company. Uh, we'd gone through a very rapid five-and-a-half, six-year period, going from $2 million to $106 million in six years. You know, we averaged 100% revenue growth six years in a row, and we felt we were pretty unstoppable. Um, we built a great culture. We ranked as the number two company in all of Canada to work for and had been on 5,000 different interviews, including Oprah. <laughs> All of a sudden, our CFO um, kind of came to us and said we were running out of cash. And we're like, well, how is that possible? Like, we just had $5 million in the bank, and we just spent $2 million on a reno and an office move and spent a whole bunch, you know, half a million dollars on bonuses and um, some taxes. And why don't we just go to the bank and go to credit line? And the bank said we couldn't get a credit line because we didn't have any cash. And we're like, well, yeah, but we've been making all this money, and we're really profitable. We have no debt. And they said, yeah, but you haven't properly leveraged your balance sheet and you just spent all your money. And we're like, well, we know, isn't that smart? <laughs> he said, no, it's not smart. And what had happened was we were never listening to our CFO. We were kind of running over top of him. And he kept telling us to be careful and to be cautious and to, you know, conserve the amount of money that we were spending or to, you know, do we really need to be doing all the new initiatives and growing into the new countries and et cetera, et cetera. And we were just saying, yeah, we're totally fine, we're totally fine, and we never listened to him. And the big learning that came from that was we ended up being fine, but we had to do a massive layoff and borrow money. We did daily cash flows um, statements, you know, literally every day. But what, what we learned was that if we're going to have someone on our team, we have to make sure that person has a voice, regardless of whether they're a quiet, you know, analytical, amiable kind of person. When you have very dominant, expressive people on a team, you have to give everybody a voice. Otherwise, why do you have them there at all? Wow, I love that story. And uh, you're right, Cameron. I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of the CFOs I know out there, uh, it, they, they do tend to be a little bit uh, more introverted, a little bit more more quiet. And I've seen them 
you know, just plowed over by the, the typical hard driving CEOs and other, you know, C-level leaders. And, and to your point, whether you're in the C-suite or at any level of the organization, if you've got someone on your team, make sure, uh, you know, if they've earned the, the, the right to be there, then to make sure to, to take uh, their advice or at least least weigh their advice. So Cameron, your new book is Meetings Suck, Turning One of the Most Loathed Elements of Business into One of the Most Valuable. And start with the big picture because uh, meetings suck, but you actually prescribe in the book quite uh, quite a few different types of meetings. So what sort of meeting cadence or meeting rhythm would you recommend? Well, the reality is meetings don't suck. We suck at running meetings. And that was <laughs> the, whole, the whole purpose for this book, and, and, and it's proving out well. Companies are buying it by the hundreds to give out to every employee to have them read it and start learning how to run and participate and, and you know, be involved in great meetings. Um, but meetings can actually be very powerful if you run them in the right way. So the way I look at all the meetings in terms of a cadence is you have to make sure that you put all of your big rocks or your big meetings into your calendar a couple of years out and you block them in the calendar, and then you build all your business around those. So you need your annual strategy meeting, um, and that needs to be a one- or a two-day meeting, usually held three months prior to the start of this fiscal year. You also need to have a quarterly retreat, which is a half-day or a full-day meeting, and that should be done two to three weeks prior to the start of each new quarter, and that's when you meet to press reset on the plan. I also like having a strong finance meeting every month where we review the balance sheet, the P&L, and the pro forma cash flow statements will often even go through the general ledger line by line and look for waste and expenses to cut no matter how big the company is. Then the next meeting you need to have are your strategy meetings. And we often forget to put time in our calendar, not for strategic planning, but for strategic thinking. And the reality is strategic planning, those really, those two words shouldn't even be in the same sentence. But you need time in your calendar to just talk about the what if strategy about what could be going well or could be going sideways six to 12 months out. And I like having that time blocked in the calendar. Then you need your weekly leadership team meeting for about an hour to an hour and a half every Monday <clears throat> where the leadership team shares their updates, checks through the metrics, and helps unstick people. And then lastly, you need to have your one-on-one coaching meetings where each CEO is supporting all the VPs, kind of a one-on-one coaching, and the VPs are coaching all the managers, and that trickles throughout the organization. But that one-on-one coaching meeting, and then lastly, your daily huddle which is an all-company seven-minute stand-up meeting. Now, that sounds like a ton of meetings, but I outlined very, very clearly how to run them in huge impact, how to, um, to, to make sure that everyone's getting big, big value, and how you can actually remove about 50% of your inter-office emails and written communication that way as well. Cameron, this is great. I was actually writing down this, uh, th- this schedule of meetings again as you were rattling them off. And, and listeners, don't bail out here because I know a lot of you are like, what? That's a lot of meetings or I want less meetings, not more meetings. And I remember uh, I was part of the leadership of a company that was about 60 days away from bankruptcy. And, and you know, we were, I don't know, doing about 50 million a year. And uh, when we heard that part of the way to save the company was to adopt more of these meetings that were well run, I thought they were crazy. Um, but we just said, let's try it. Let's try it for 30 days. And I actually think this meeting rhythm, the, the, this exact rhythm that Cameron just uh, walked us through, 
was one of the keys to saving that company. And of course, it, it grew quite well and, and exited at over a billion dollars. And so I more meetings, as Cameron said, if they're done right, it saves you time because you're going to have fewer emails, fewer got a minute meetings, those taps on the door, uh, uh, fires to put out. It's these are time savers. Now, Cameron, we don't have time on the show to go through all of them, but like uh one of the critical ones are these one-on-ones, these one-on-one coaching meetings. So what would you say? Like, How often should I be doing a one-on-one with each of my direct reports? How long do they last? What are the kind of things we should discuss? Yeah, so the one-on-one meeting is critical, and it should be done on a weekly basis every week, and it should be 30 minutes. Um, there is no task follow-up in the meeting. It's not about following up on what's happening with the tasks. You can use software like Asana or Basecamp or Trello to be able to see what's happening with projects. The one-on-one meeting is about coaching your direct reports. So it's a balance of three things, direction, development, and support. The direction is giving them direction to make sure they're working on the right stuff, because at the end of the day, we only have three resources, people, time, and money, and you need to make sure that you're spending yours in the right way. Secondly, it's the development. So it's the skill development that might be necessary on a project-by-project basis. So you apply situational leadership and just give them the proper skill development that they need during that meeting. And then lastly is the support, the emotional support. It's either to hear them out or cheer them on or just be able to make sure that they have your support in helping to remove obstacles or blocks or frustrations they're having in running the business. So that coaching meeting is a really, really powerful tool, and I've been doing it for 25 years. Direction, development, and support. And Cameron, you just took me to school because – I got to admit, I, I'm a big believer every Monday is sort of meeting day, and I do these one-on-ones, but often I end up burning those minutes on the tasks. Hey, what happened last week? What's going on this week? Uh, and I'm realizing that you're right. I already know that stuff from the from the daily uh, daily diaries that we all log in with. That's well, great. That's, that's what drives people crazy is, like, why are you asking me when it's already in the car? <laughs> What they need, what they need is what you're not giving them. So, so if you flip the org chart upside down, where the CEO is at the bottom, supporting and holding up the VPs, who are supporting and holding up the managers, who are supporting and holding up the customers, it's like an inverted pyramid that really there's not supposed to be task follow up. It's supposed to be direction development and support, making sure they're working on stuff that's driving towards your vivid vision, driving towards your annual and quarterly goals and then helping to remove obstacles and give them the support and the skills. Not saying, how's this going? How's that going? It's like, well, it's already on a tool that we're supposed to be using. Go check. Right. That's absolutely right. And you also mentioned, um, and this is the one that really, I think, surprises people, a daily huddle. It could be as little as seven minutes. And I know, uh, in fact, uh, listeners, if you go on to YouTube and search on daily huddle 1-800-GOT-JUNK, you can actually see what one of these looks like. But describe the practice, Cameron. Sure. So this is something we learned from a mentor of ours years ago named Vern Harnish. It's been run by all the top companies on the planet. The idea with the daily huddle is it's an all-company stand-up meeting for seven minutes. It's not run at 9 o'clock or 8 in the morning. We usually run ours at either 11 o'clock or 2 o'clock. When we built 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we ran ours from 10.55 until 11.02, and daily huddle was a fixed time in everyone's calendar on their appointments forever. It was a daily standing meeting. At 10.53, an alarm will go off on your computer telling you to get up, stop your calls or whatever you're doing, and walk down to the huddle area. 
Hubble starts exactly on time, and it starts off with sharing good news. So people share customer success stories or projects that got completed or, you know, any raving fan, you know, thank yous, people on the team. That goes for about two minutes. And then you actually go through the key numbers. So the numbers for that quarterly focus, whatever your quarterly theme is, you report those numbers at Daily Huddle and they're put up on a whiteboard so everyone in the company can see the daily numbers. And then we share what does it all mean. So we show our monthly and our yearly revenue forecast on a daily basis. So basically, how are we trending? What do these numbers mean on the course of the quarter of the year? Then one business area a day does their updates. And their updates follow the same format, what's going well, what's not going well, what we're working on, and where we are stuck. So once a day, you're getting a business update from marketing, and the next day, IT, etc. So you're always kind of staying in that pulse of what's happening throughout the organization. And then we finish off with any missing systems or key frustrations. So just what's broken, what's not going well. And we don't fix or discuss those at the huddle. We just kind of say, hey, here's something, and then someone grabs it and says, I'll take that, we'll solve it offline. So that daily pulse is huge, and I've got companies all over the world using it. It's very, very effective. And I assume uh, a key to making this work is making sure that the items that come up in that seven minutes, that those are then taken offline after the meeting. Otherwise, seven minutes turns into 70 minutes, right? Exactly. It's a stand-up meeting as well. I had a client over in the UK years ago, and they called me, and they go, God, our daily huddle's taking a half hour. I'm like, tell me what you're doing. He goes, well, we all get together in the lunchroom, and everybody sits down, and we pour tea. And I'm like, dude, this is not, this is not a lunch break. This is like a, a powerful, quick, hard-hitting stand-up meeting. So uh, to your point, yeah, people go to even my YouTube channel has a video of daily huddle on it as well. Oh, that's great. Um I, I also, the other thing that I just lit up when I read in your book was, I mean, I've been doing annual retreats for decades now, and some are great, some are less than great, but you have a fantastic idea, and you said you got the idea when you were watching the movie The Big Chill, which I actually really like that movie. Yeah, well, the idea is that you've got to get out of the office. You've got to get somewhere where you're inspired and somewhere where you're kind of disconnected and somewhere where you don't need to do any hokey, stupid team-building exercises. So what I like doing is renting kind of an Airbnb, a chalet or a cottage or, you know, a ski a ski cabin, some kind of a cool 8- to 10-bedroom place where everybody can have their own bedroom and where we can be meeting in our shorts and T-shirts and our team-building is making lunch and breakfast together. Um, so you can kind of spend two days locked in this cabin playing games, having some drinks at night, and actually working through the business together. And it's a great way to get off-site and dis- you know, uh, disconnect from the day-to-day of the office as well. And I'll bet that Airbnb rental is the same or less than, than doing a lot of these uh, conference retreat centers. Way less than conference retreat centers and much more productive, and, and um, this just works really well. I have one here that I use in Scottsdale where I have companies bring their teams out, and I facilitate strategic planning meetings for them. It's a 10-bedroom, five-kitchen hacienda that Liz Taylor and two presidents <laughs> stayed at, and it's about $2,400 a night. It's ridiculously cheap. It's great. Wow, that's There's good. There's that you can use in a lot of the big cities now called breather spaces, and they're kind of like a daily Airbnb for office space, and those can be great. Um, for your quarterly meetings as well. Breather spaces. I just took a note on that one. So, Cameron, before we wrap up, I always like to challenge our listeners to get just, you know, 1% better every day. Is there something you can challenge our listeners to try out, you know, related to these meeting concepts right right now, today at work? 
Yeah, I, I use an app called Commit to Three, and every single day I commit my top three goals to another business associate of mine, Joe Polish, and Joe commits his top three goals to me. It's a $3 yearly app, and you can you can set it up with your teams, you can set it up with a friend. It integrates with nothing. It's a perfect standalone tool to get you to focus on the critical few things versus the important many. So right now, right in front of me, I've got my top three for the day, and they nag me all day long until I get them done. But I get them done before I work on all the busy work. Love that. Great way to uh, build in some accountability. And uh, Cameron, what's the best way our listeners can find out more about you and your work? Sure. My, my books are all available on Amazon, as you mentioned, Double Double, Meeting Suck, and The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs that I co-authored with Hal Elrod. And then um, there are also some of them are available on Audible and iTunes. And then all of my speaking events, the videos of my speaking events, our listener can uh, watch those. They're all available at CameronHerald.com as well. Great. All right, friends, you've just been mentored by Cameron Harold. Don't forget, you can get those links that he mentioned, notes from this interview over at leadx.org, and uh, all of his books on Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. And listeners, one more thing. If you've got just one new idea today, hop on over to iTunes, leave a short, honest review for the show. It would mean the world to me. So until next time, remember, leadership isn't about a title. It's about influence. You influence people with your words, but also your silence. You influence people with your actions and when you choose to be a bystander. So the question is, how will you lead today?